we believe that all of our audiences are adventurous. You know, if you're paying a ticket and you're leaving your house on a Thursday evening to see us perform, you're already adventurous. Hello and welcome to AI Arts In, the podcast produced by Creative Pinellas. I'm Barbara St. Clair, your host, and I am here with Mark Feynman, who is a musician. I almost called him a magician, but that probably would not have been a bad moniker for you. No, I, I actually sometimes we, I talk with other musicians about how we kind of are magicians, that we're kind of illusionists. We make people feel a certain way by playing something specific, a note and a harmony, interacting a certain way that may make people feel something. And so even though we've done it a million times and I know how this chord feels with this note in this room or in this space on this certain day at this certain time, it makes myself or the listener feel a certain emotion. Sometimes I know how to pull that emotion out mm -hmm. you know, by playing loud or soft. Or, so right. in a weird way, we are magicians, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so you are a member of a musical group called La Lucha. Yes, La Lucha. So I'm a freelance musician and I play with a whole bunch of artists, but I play in this group called La Lucha, which is the main group that I'm in, comprised of my two best friends that I love hanging out with and performing with, Alejandro Arenas on the bass and John O'Leary on the piano. And I myself play the drums. We met actually at the University of South Florida about 13 years ago, wow. John, who's the pianist in the group, was a classical tuba major when we met him. Oh. Alejandro and I were playing in what was called the jazz room. And he comes walking and he goes, what is going on here? And I said, we're playing jazz. And he's like, oh, I want to do that. And we're kind of like, but you're, you're, you're a tuba major. You probably need to switch to, he's like, well, I could play piano. So he very quickly switched over to jazz piano. Uh -huh. And he was raised playing piano also. His mother is a really fantastic classical pianist. And then the three of us ended up in a jazz combo together. I think it was that next semester, my second semester in college. And when we played our first note together, there was something that just like felt right, like something you know, like usually and you're, when you being, play... you're being literal when you say first note yeah yeah like the first note like that first like five seconds like something settled and it felt really good and it was like the almost like we got shivers like wow like like i understood them more like there's this intimate experience about performing with somebody else mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you're you know speaking with them on a another level on a deeper level and i felt this connection with them and so we just continued to play and it was fun and we had a blast and then the combo was over, but we stayed and played. I was supposed to go to a math class and they said, well, why don't you hang out and play a little bit longer? So I skipped the math class. So this was all in one day. Yeah, this is that first day and I skipped the math class and then we just kept playing music. And I think we played till about one, one thirty in the morning. And the combo began at like two o'clock that afternoon. And then we did this every day. We would play, I would skip some class. I didn't do well in some classes because I was so <laughs> I was so enthralled by just playing music. But we started creating a repertoire of our own songs. And, you know, we realized that, you know, each of us had different cultures. Alejandro was born and raised in Colombia. John was born and raised in the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. And I'm from exotic Clearwater, Florida. And so the three of us were kind of bringing our own cultures and the sounds that we grew up with, whether it was music on the FM radio. I grew up really loving you know, punk rock and rock and roll. Like and what? I really loved Green Day, uh, like No Effects, a punk rock band. 
but I grew up listening to like oldies because my dad's a drummer and he was playing in oldies bands. So I was loving that stuff too, like the Beatles or you know anything that you would hear on the old U92 here in the Tampa Bay area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Alejandro was surrounded by, you know, this rich, you know, uh, Colombian music, you know, cumbias and boleros. And John also was surrounded by music in Mexico and whatever music, of course, that was coming in from the United States. We were each bringing this musical flair, this culture into this songs. And so we were kind of mixing songs that we loved, like Britney Spears. I mean, people were saying, oh, Britney Spears is pop, you know, but we can't play that. But we were just, we thought they were catchy songs. So we just wanted to play those. And I wanted to play a Green Day song but give the jazz treatment to it. That's what jazz is. It's just kind of like a rocket going through time and just sucking up everything that it could and didn't matter what style of music it was, you know, improvising over oh, this song. Right. We did this throughout college and we realized, hey, like we should put a name to us. We were getting hired a lot from other musicians or uh, faculty. Some of the professors would hire us for some events at the school or some off-school events. And they would call us the dentist trio because we wore these matching guayabatas, like the the white uh, shirts that kind of like older dentists would wear. So does the lucha mean? It actually means the fight or the struggle in Spanish. We don't mean it in the negative connotation, but I understand that like when you say estoy a la lucha, like I'm fighting the good fight. So, you know. Everybody has La Lucha, everybody has a fight or a struggle. And, you know, at that time, being a younger jazz musician, playing jazz, playing real instruments in today's generation, it is a fight or a struggle, and, you know, and being an artist. And mm. so, so to us, that was our, our, our Lucha. And we would hope that we could reach other people mm-hmm. and find out what their, you know, Lucha is. We recorded a record in that same jazz room that we first met in, Mm. and it was just so kind of just raw and exciting. We just did it, everything in like a few takes. It was really messy, but it was a really awesome experience and opportunity to just play and to like document what we've been doing. And we didn't think anything would really come of it, and then people started listening to the record and hearing this Britney Spears song like oh we really love that you did this Britney Spears song you play like a Beatles song but you did it completely different and we had a few original compositions which is really exciting for us to compose and to compose together and then and then I actually went away to school in New York so we had this whole thing going for us and then I left town Mm. (laughs) you know but uh, you went to music school? Yeah, or? I did. I went to SUNY Purchase. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I finished my undergraduate degree there, which is just north of Manhattan. I have a lot of family in New York. And I was also living a whole lot closer to my now wife, Gloria Munoz, a phenomenal artist, a phenomenal poet, poet writer. Yeah. yeah, she's really one of the most inspiring people to me. So to be closer to her, we were in graduate school. But every time we would come back to Florida, it was like, oh, St. Pete's changing a little bit. Like there's, it was exciting. We were hearing exciting stories. There was always something kind of pulling us here. So I got a teaching opportunity at St. Petersburg College. And at the same time, I was thinking about changing to get my master's at University of South Florida. So I was going back to the college where I started at. Mm -hmm. And Gloria and I were both in graduate school at the same time at USF in Tampa. And at the same time, I started teaching at a few different schools in the area, and it just felt right. I was seeing that I could actually make a living as a performing artist Mm -hmm. in St. Petersburg, in the Tampa Bay area. I always say there's like a, there's a magnetic field kind of all over the world. I kind of swim a lot in the jazz community, so I can say there's these magnetic fields for jazz, definitely New York, 
There was one in Chicago and LA. And I think there's one here in Pinellas County. Sure. There's a reason there's so many really incredible jazz musicians and musicians in general of all styles of music, but jazz specifically, musicians that came from this area that go somewhere else and then come back. You know, we can speak about John Lamb, wonderful bass player, Buster Cooper, who unfortunately has passed away. Both of them were with Duke Ellington. And then there's also musicians who are a little bit younger, like Nate Najar, who's from here, and James Suggs, who's not from here, but gravitated here. Mm -hmm. And so I think we felt this gravitational pull, and we're here, and we are swimming and loving it. We have our own repertoire that we perform, we, per- we play regularly, we have steady gigs. We have one steady gig that we do every week, but then we also play concerts all over the Tampa Bay area and elsewhere. We travel outside as well. We have a regular rehearsal every week and we try to rehearse more than that if needed, which we usually have multiple rehearsals a week because one really wonderful thing about being a jazz trio, piano, bass, and drums is that other people want to hire you as your rhythm section. So we'll perform with them, we'll back them as artists. And so, you know, we are very flexible to pretty much any environment. I feel like when I listen to some of your music, I recognize it as La Lucha music, even though often it's a different one of you who has composed it. It's not so much that we have like a sound, like, oh, I recognize that piano sound, because John will use a number of electronic instruments, whether it's a synthesizer or melodica, or a real piano or Fender Rhodes or something. And Alejandro switches between an upright bass, electric bass, and a you know a synthesizer, a key bass as well. And I'll do the same. So it's not so much like the you know the, the actual sound, but I think it's more about the breath of the band, mm-hmm. like the the way we breathe together and move together. Mm-hmm. We've learned kind of how to turn. Like mm-hmm. I've always been interested in that lateral line that all fish have and how they know like, okay, we're all turning this way. We're all turning <laughs> this way. And birds do it the same way too. We can show up to a gig and not have a conversation, not know what our days are like beforehand and then play and then understand that somebody's going through something or somebody, you know, missed a meal or something because we can move a certain way. And compositionally, we always, you know, oftentimes composers, writers fall into a certain sound, but we kind of challenge each other when we're writing and we help each other out. We workshop songs all the time, you know, to say, oh, maybe let's change the key or maybe let's change the harmony to this. You know, maybe if we speed, you know, like we were in the studio finishing a record and we couldn't figure this one tune out, but we realized if we sped it up just like six clicks, it just had a certain edge to it. And so the fact that we've been open to any idea and taking taking advice from each other, it allows us to navigate the music. And you know, one time Alejandro brought a verse for a song that I wrote, just like an intro. And I didn't feel offended at all. I was excited, like he added to this song, you know? So when we walk in, you check your ego at the door. And I think that excitement that we have that we're playing, like we still feel like we're just like kids figuring out our instruments all the time. And that's what I think people are hearing is the the excitement of what we're doing. Well, <laughs> it's funny that you said about the being kids, because as I was headed over here, I thought to myself, if I did not know that the three of you were as youthful as you are, I would presume that you had been performing and composing for many, many, many years. The nature of the sound oh. is so sophisticated. The, the layering and the experimental quality that never goes too far and references where it's been and mm-hmm. leaves the audience feeling very comfortable to go on that experiment with you and all those things yes. that are in that music seem 
what I would expect from, you know, a band that had been playing together for 20 or 30 years. You know, we, we talk about this all the time, kind of the idea of play. I think everybody should play. Like, we just say, like, oh, I play music. But, you know, you can play anything. I certainly didn't say, like, oh, I want to play the drums or I want to play in a band because I'm going to be rich and famous. Like, I, it was never it was never that. It was because it was fun and exciting mm -hmm. and it was adventurous. So we remind ourselves to do that. I mean, it is a business. We do perform. We do get paid to perform. We, I mean, we do each of us make a living and have a family. But we think that people will be really attracted to the idea that if we're having fun and we are playing, that they'll want to join us in adventure. And what we like to do with every La Lucha performance or show or record is to say, you know, like, join us on this adventure. Welcome to our world. And we just kind of gently bring them and we kind of move them around with us and we see like how far we can go. We believe that all of our audiences are adventurous. You know, if you're paying a ticket and you're leaving your house on a Thursday evening to see us perform, you're already adventurous. You know, <laughs> like we don't have to be like, okay, let's play a standard just to see, just in case. We're gonna take you on this adventure and then we'll we'll bring you back. We'll bring right. we'll drop you back down, but you know, we'll take you into our world for those 90 minutes. You are a drummer. Yes. Are you a drummer because your dad was a drummer? Or well, I wanted to be a professional basketball player. I was a short white asthmatic Jew from Clearwater, Florida, and so basketball wasn't going to be an option, but I was always surrounded by music. My sister is a really wonderful classical pianist. My mom actually played the drums. Oh, wow. Um, uh, she doesn't play professionally, but my dad played professionally for many years. He still performs. My uncles are musicians. My grandmother used to teach piano. So it was like an environment that was always welcoming. I was always surrounded by musicians. And so my sister brought home a cassette tape of Green Day. And when I heard that, I was like, I have to do that. Whatever they're doing, I have to do that. Just heard this one cassette tape and it made me feel really good. So I started with guitar lessons at age nine. And I actually wow. went to see Green Day at nine years old. My dad took me to see them. I saw everything I didn't need to see at nine years old at the punk rock show. And I was hooked. I had to, to just learn everything that I could learn on the guitar. And I was always playing the piano because we had a piano in the home, which I also think every home should have some sort of instrument. Doesn't matter if you play professionally or seriously, just pick up something and play. It's so important. So I was always kind of banging on things. I was just kind of like knocking on things. I'm really trying hard not to knock on things here oh, right now. thank you. My dad just turned to me and said, are you interested in drum lessons? And I think I was 11 years old at this point. Yeah. And I just said, yeah. And the next week I was taking drum lessons. I think I didn't like it. Mm. <laughs> I think it was like having this structure. I, I like discovering and figuring things out myself. And I was also like finding new music every week. So from, you know, whether it was oldies or punk rock or jazz. So when I got into middle school, I started my own bands. Wow. Immediately, like I found like two other people that like had stickers on their backpack of bands that I like. And I was like, okay, they're gonna be my friends and we're gonna start a band. And we got together and I found a bass player, found a guitarist, and then somebody knew a singer at another school and we all got together and just learned a few cover songs. And of course, because I was playing guitar, I was always writing songs as well on guitar. You know, started writing my own original music. In middle school? Yeah, yeah, like at 11, 12 years old, I was writing my own songs, but also playing like whatever was on the That's record. That's amazing. I mean, I was always making up little tunes. My parents were always singing new words to existing melodies. So we were always like creating songs. Like we lived in this musical world. Like there was always some music playing in our house always. So I was always surrounded by music. We were singing everything. You know, I got really good at making up words to songs. Then I got 
pretty okay at creating little melodies with just you know short words mm -hmm. and so it was very natural and comfortable to me to just write a song it didn't matter if it was good or bad you know i could fix it later or i'm not a singer at all i just like would do the best i could and uh -huh. then tell somebody else to try to play this <laughs> then right. i would play drums to them but I, I i was really just having fun and i was playing in the jazz band i was playing in the concert band and to me, I didn't know the difference between listening to Green Day and listening to Art Blakey. I just thought they both had great energy. Like mm -hmm. it was like fast and it was loud and it was exciting. So I wasn't so much concerned, at least not yet, about like what I called something, if it was jazz or punk, just called it music. I actually went to high school at Pinellas County Center for the Arts at Gibbs High School, right mm. down the street here in St. Right. Petersburg, where my sister was actually, she's older, and she was going there for classical piano. I mean, it took like 50 minutes to get there from where we lived, but I will get there somehow. And it was like the most creative warmth of a space surrounded by other people that I could ever been in at that time. All the teachers are really welcoming and I got to join a jazz band that was like really serious. My teacher who is uh, one of the most incredible people on the planet, David Pate, he's just such, I, I don't know, there's not enough adjectives to describe him. He's a fantastic educator and saxophonist, multi-read instrumentalist. And he exposed me to a whole world of music and especially in the jazz community, like who to listen to, who to check out. You know, he told me about John Coltrane and Charles Mingus for the first time. But I got exposed to all kinds of music and people from all over Pinellas County that were being bussed in to just, just create. When I got into college, I was there for a performance. There was a composition department, and those composers, they were bringing in their compositions to our jazz ensembles. And so I got to read a lot of new music. Mm -hmm. So I was learning to read. I was, you know, figuring things out harmonically because as a drummer, I'm not on a, any kind of harmonic instrument playing chords. So I realized that I quickly needed to get up on those and you know it was kind of tuning my ear to like oh what does this chord sound like what does it make me feel how does this note work with that chord and, and one of the things I realized is that as a drummer I was kind of exploring composition from uh, not really from an academic side but really experimental side so I would play you know a couple of notes and realize that this group of notes worked together and it sounded so cool and uh, guys check this check this out like I created this thing and be like yeah that's a whatever that's a major scale I would find little yeah. tricks to you know to, to composing and it was really fun to kind of hear your music being played because I was playing other people's music all the time I was excited about bringing in my own music mm -hmm. and hearing what it sounded like then I would think like, oh, well, maybe it sounds good if a saxophonist played this, or maybe a trumpet player could play this. And as a musician, especially in the jazz world, in the jazz community, you're always arranging music. So you're always taking a composition by somebody else, you know, whether it's John Coltrane or it's a pop song, and you're putting it in a different setting. You're changing the tempo, you're changing the key, you're putting new harmony to the melody. You're making it a salsa instead of, you know, a pop ballad or something. So I found these things really interesting and exciting to me to do. And sometimes when you get so far into arranging a song, it's no longer the original song. It's an original composition. Mm -hmm. And so I was always really excited to hear something that I wrote being played by somebody else. I mean, it's, I'm always still frightened to hear it because composing is playing music in slow motion. What do you mean? Um... 
Well, especially for me, I cannot just usually sit down on a piano and just play a tune. Like I just like some pianist, John, who's in La Lucha can do this. He can sit down and just play really beautifully. It just comes out of his hands, you know, out of his brain into his fingers easily. For me, it's like two fingers on a keyboard and I'm playing them together. But, you know, when you're performing, you learn to just, you know, just speak like we're having a conversation. It just flows out. But when you're composing, like I'm thinking about each note and where it exists right there in that measure. Do I want it on the beat? Do I want it off the beat? Do I want it to be played with a chord? Do I not want a melody at all? Is it only chords? Maybe what if it was just bass and drums and then the harmony comes in later? Like there's all these you know choices. So it's it's composing, it's playing music in slow motion because it gives I you time see. to think about, you know, and that's just four bars. Yeah, so yeah. then <laughs> let me think about the next four bars. And sometimes I can just sing a melody and I can write that down, you know, which is, it's slower than actually performing is writing or putting it into a computer. And that's one of the other things why I really love playing with La Lucha is that when I give them a piece of music or when you give anybody a piece of music, it's just ink on a page. Like it doesn't really mean anything. And so when I have people that I know who are performing the songs, they'll put their own thing on it. Like I know John will put this grease on it that I can't write into the music. Mm-hmm. You know, the the history of, you know, Columbia through Alejandro's bass, I can't write that. Mm-hmm. Only he can play that. Mm-hmm. So I know that it'll come out. Even if I write the simplest four bar, just no, you know, no notes, I know that it'll come out in a certain way. There's So there's a, when you're composing, you're also having to put a lot of trust into somebody. And I, it's one of my favorite things about composing is hearing what somebody else is going to do with that composition or with that note. Uh, And they might take a note like, hey, would you mind if I, you know, maybe kind of put a little bend on this note or maybe if I can hold it to the end of the measure? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. So I found that composing, it was a vehicle for making me a better musician in a way, too. I was Mm -hmm. learning more about harmony. I was learning more about melody because I wasn't I was still playing the drums. It's a tonal instrument. And so it was making me stronger as a musician, and it was fun to just hear new music being played. I was like creating prompts for composing as well, which helped me, you know, compose a certain way to get out of a certain, you know, box. And, Give me an example. Uh, well, it's really easy to write a love song for something that you love, because mm-hmm. you know you can love a person, you can love macaroni and cheese, you could love your dog. So I just wrote like a, a list of prompts. Write a song, and I would write write a song for dot dot dot, and I wrote down a list of things: something you love, something you hate. Write a song for for a movie that you like, write a song for the summer, write a song for a holiday, for a family member. I was composing, I was just writing. Write a two bar song, write an eight bar song, write a form that's A-A-B-A, like rhythm changes, like um, I Got Rhythm, mm-hmm. you know, that old jazz standard by Gershwin. And so it challenged me in a different way. And I would also really enjoy like open up a movie and put it on, you know, mute it and then just play along to it. Mm-hmm. And to see, like, what could I compose to this scene? Mm-hmm. And I have worked on some film with Gloria Munoz, has a really wonderful organization called Pitch Her Productions, a nonprofit dedicated to women in film. And I've done some composition for them. And La Lucha's done some commercial music stuff. And that's really fun because they need 32 seconds of something that sounds like Buena Vista Social Club that is, you know, whatever this tempo. So you have to figure out how to make that work. Right. And that's always really exciting to me as well. You're not always composing what, what you you know want to compose. It's coming from your heart, but it's exciting to compose to me always. 
I'm always writing something. I always have a little melody wrapped up in my head that I get out somewhere. You hear it in your head and then you write it down. It's always, the process changes every single time I compose. It changes depending on the instrument, changes depending on the sound, the time of day, or if I need to compose something, or if I just want to. I normally don't hear drums first in any of my compositions. I hear other instruments. Sometimes I'm just inspired walking my dogs and I hear, you know, a bird singing mm-hmm. and it, you know, is exciting to me. Or if it's raining, like in the thunder. And so I might sit down at the piano and play something that I feel or an experience or a certain person says something that really irked me. Mm-hmm. I can compose something. And just taking a phrase or writing down a phrase or a word that I hear, and it's not necessarily a lyric, but just something that might inspire me. So I find little little nuggets of inspiration in everyday life. I think most recently we've been going through a lot of questionable and really horrific things in the world or in our country. There was another school shooting and that really touches me. I, you know, I'm at a loss for words. And when I'm at a loss for words, the only thing that I can do is sit down and compose. Sometimes the melody just doesn't come to me. Sometimes I'm sitting down and I have to pull it out of the piano. And I did that just this morning. I'm just like, what is, like, where are you? You know, let me find you. Like, and it doesn't need to be perfect. Not everything I write is ever going to be heard. Just sometimes exists in my notebook and, you know, I might lose it. This might get wet and I'll never hear it again. Sometimes I don't write it down and I lose it or the recording gets lost. So do you write in the notebook at the piano or how does that work? So if you see me out around Pinellas County, you probably think I'm super weird because I'm always like singing into my phone. Oh, okay. (laughs) I take a lot of voice notes to the the point where like I have no space left in my phone. Uh And I just, if I hear something and and it could be rhythmic, it could just be like the steps of me walking with my dog or the way that, you know, they're breathing. It's just really, and then I sing something into my phone but I don't know let me find something um you know so something little like that it's just a little motive and I even labeled it 80s pop because I swim mostly in the jazz community, for some reason, jazz musicians are expected to um, perform and compose a certain way. But I've never really felt that. It's just write music to write music. If it's an 80s pop thing, then that's what it is. If it's a rock tune, that's what it is. Uh, if it's just a string quartet, and that's, where it, that's what it is. I take what I do very seriously, but I'm not a serious person. <laughs> but I'm very serious about playing music. Yeah. I think it's a it's a very important and, and not just music, the arts in general, but for me playing music is really one of the most important things anybody can do. It doesn't matter if you're a you know, elite performer or you're just a kid just figuring it out, you know, with some broken strings on a guitar, like it's really important to be playing music. That's why I'm not concerned about, like, this was not my best work. I just sang, you know, I just performed. But it's important to create, and it's really good to feel something. And when I feel something, the only thing that I can hope is that somebody else will feel something. Well, thank you very much, Mark Feynman. I've really enjoyed the conversation. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for doing this.
I'm Barbara St. Clair, and you've been listening to Arts In, the Creative Pinellas podcast, sponsored in part by the Pinellas County Board of County Commissioners. Visit St. Petersburg Clearwater and the State of Florida Department of Cultural Affairs. Arts In is produced by Matt and Sheila Cowley. And if you're enjoying this program, we hope you'll take a moment to give us a review. It's easy to subscribe to on your favorite podcast service. You can find more conversations with visual, literary, and performing artists and in-depth arts journalism at creativepinellas.org. Thank you for listening.